Well, let's talk about Wonderland. Welcome to Wonderland. And we're in lesson four of this series. And we've been talking about the enemies of wonder. We've talked about the benefits of wonder. We've talked about how to build wonder in your life. And I pray, I pray that wonder is arriving or being restored in your life, even as we're going through this series. We said that wonder occupies the gap between the immediate and the infinite. And that's exactly what Christ did. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The immediate is that which we can see. It's what we can know right now. It's what we exist in at this very moment. That is what Christ did. He came as the visible image of the invisible, the infinite God. The one that we cannot see, the one that we cannot know completely. He occupied the gap for you and for me. The scripture says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful or a wonder. He, he is the wonder that occupies the gap, if you will. Last week, Pastor Andy Wigand did an amazing job bringing a strong message to us. And if you did not get the opportunity to be here, I encourage you to go online, podcast, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and, and, and see that. It'll, I believe that it will bless your life. But he said some things in life are too important not to share. That the wonder that we receive, the wonder that we live out, it's contagious. It brings community around us. And he gave us two challenges. Challenge number one is he said, ask someone to share something that amazes them about their relationship with God or life experience that they've had, and then listen patiently. And then secondly, he said, ask them to ask you the same question. And I hope that you were able to share some stories, and I hope you were able to hear some stories, some stories of wonder in people's lives. When we opened up this series in lesson one, we said that the ability to wonder is uniquely human. And yet, it's increasingly uncommon. We also said that wonder builds aspiration. It causes us to be aspirational in life. And yet, we also said familiarity breeds contempt. So, the problem that we all wrestle with is that the things that we are around every day become familiar. So by nature and by by situation and by life, we are consistently pushing against the, the leanings toward contemptuousness concerning that which is around us. It's just the natural state of man to to become familiar and begin to dismiss that which is closest to us. And so we have to push into wonder. And you might say, well, how do you do that? And our big idea today is this. If you're a note taker in your service guide, there's an opportunity to take some notes. And I always encourage you to do so. The big idea is this. You must intentionally build wonder in your life. You will not accidentally walk into it. You won't accidentally fall into this moment, this place, and this time where wonder overwhelms you. You might say, well, how do I build wonder into my life intentionally? Here you go. You build wonder into life when seeking what is beyond the the known. When you seek what's beyond the known. And you can do this in a bunch of different ways in many areas of life. You can can push into the unknown simply by driving down a road that you've never been before. I I love that. 
I love getting into the car and driving somewhere that I've never been and just seeing what's around the next corner. And sometimes I'm quite disappointed after driving down the road for 30 minutes and then I go, wait a minute, I have been down this road before. (laughs) Because now I need to go find a new road. I drive northwest, south, and east. I drive everywhere looking just for new roads. I like new roads. And sometimes it can be done finding wonder in a new relationship or meeting a new person. Maybe it's not even going to be a long-term relationship. It's just a new person that you get to meet. And and you can just, today, as you're walking out of the church in the foyer, you just stop and say, hey. Now, you might not want to say Micah, but you say, hey, my name's Micah. What's your name? If you've never met them before, there can be a moment of wonder that that rises up in your life. You get to experience something simply by meeting somebody that you've never met before. And maybe, maybe it's in learning new things just in general. They have these new inventions here in the uh, Lucas County area and and other counties in our area. I've, I've recently discovered these new things called libraries. And if you walk in there, You walk in there and you just sign the little document and they'll let you take books for free, provided you return them. If you don't, well, I guess they're just kind of free unless you go back. Then you got a problem. Don't do that. That's very bad library etiquette. But you walk in there and I would encourage you just walk up and down the aisles and and look at those books, peruse those books, and and you can find something that's been written on a subject you've never considered or thought about before. And wonder can be brought up into your life. But you can also find wonder looking at things that you already know, that you already have some level of familiarity with. For instance, I'm constantly wondering over my iPhone. It does things, and I don't know how. And so when something breaks recently, <laughs> recently, I don't, I don't know why, and I'm sorry if this happened to you, recently, my phone just suddenly, contacts that I've had in my phone for many years are not there. And when that happens, or when my phone suddenly isn't all in Japanese, <laughs> I just hand it to somebody else in my house and say, fix this and make it work. The more I learn about it, the more wonder and wonder I am over it. You can, you can find wonder even in things that you already have familiarity with as you learn more and more about it. But if you seek wonder long enough, eventually you're going to step into the realm of faith. You're going to live in a world of faith in your life. You might say, well, I've been struggling to live in this world of faith or this realm of faith or this this idea of faith that I hear people talk about at times, but I've never really been able to get there. And I would would submit to you, it's possibly because you've not allowed a, a sense of wonder to fully develop in your life over the time of your life. What is faith? Faith links what is known to someone or something specific, but unknown in some way. It's not about linking it to just the unknown. It's linking it to someone or something specific and yet somewhat unknown. And I'll give you a a good example of that. Uh, Online dating is a good example of faith at work. People use online dating all the time. There's online dating for old people. There's online dating for young people. And there's online dating for everything in between. Recently, I was watching the news, and I learned something that I did not know before, which is the nature of learning something. 
I know, it's repetitive. <laughs> there is a new movement coming out of New York City, and it's called the Sober Curious Movement. The Sober Curious Movement is for people who want to get to know one another and want to go to parties and events without a lot of alcohol. In the new study, they cited a, very, a new study that has just come out. This is going to blow your mind. They discovered that if you build a relationship, if you get to know somebody and build a relationship with them while sober, the relationship goes deeper and you actually learn more about the person. <laughs> now, the beauty of this, the beauty of this movement, that's what I called my whole life. <laughs> My father said, you are sober curious. Anything other than that is unacceptable in this house. I didn't realize he was on the cutting edge of what would be. the. Uh... But here's the beauty of that. What's happening is the, 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 the movement has come out of young people and not so young people who are saying, listen, there's more to life than just getting drunk. And, but so much of things uh, revolve around alcohol. For instance, we go to a party and maybe we don't want to drink. Maybe that's not our goal, but alcohol is there. Or maybe someone's dealing with an addiction issue and they go, they're trying to get to still have a social life. And so they're, they're going to events and parties and it makes it very difficult to deal with the addiction issue while you're consistently putting, needing to put yourself in a place where it's available to you. And so these people are saying, we're tired of that. We're going to create spaces where someone, where, where there isn't going to be a lot of alcohol and we can build deeper and better relationships without, without that. And I, I'm happy for that. I, I'm thankful for that. And there's dating apps for the sober curious. And here's the known part about a dating app or an online dating situation. You know what picture you put up there on your profile. You know what you put in your biography on the profile. You know those things. You know what other people post as their biography and their picture. That's all known. And as long as you're operating online, you're operating within the known. It all is good. There's no discrepancies in it. However, you step out into faith whenever you say, let's meet for coffee. Because now... You have an unknown, you're, you're putting a known, and you're attaching it to an unknown. You're saying, I'm going to assume that what is presented on online is equivalent to what I'm going to see walk through the door. <laughs> Everything you read on the internet may not be true. And every picture you see may not be accurate or from this decade. <laughs> and so, but again, remember, faith is not just a blanket unknown, throw it out there, see what happens. It's connected to something specific. So the person that's sitting there waiting for their date to arrive 
is not just there to meet anyone who happens to walk through the door. So Joe Bob comes walking through the door and sits down and the person says, hey, uh, are, you know, are, are, are you the person I'm supposed to be meeting? Well, my name's Joe Bob. Well, Joe Bob, that's big in the South. I don't know if that's big here or not. But so Joe Bob is not the person that I'm here to meet. So you go on down the road because I'm waiting for Prince Charming or princess charming, whatever the case may be. And, and that's what's going to, that, that's who I'm waiting to meet. I want the reality that matches with the declaration, with the promise. I, I want, I want those things to come together. So this is faith in action, known being attached to the unknown, but very specific, very specific. You have a, you have faith in a person Whenever you say to a person, I don't know if you're able to do this job or not, but I'm going to take what I know about you, and then I'm going to ask you to, to do something that you've never done before, but because of what I do know about you, and because of the situation, the known situation that we're in, I'm going to have faith that you can accomplish the overall goal. We like it when people believe in us, don't we? Well, faith in God is the same. It's linking what is known to what is unknown in him. Now, the unknown in God, just like in every other area of what is not known, can sometimes bring forth questions, concerns, fears, because it's unknown. And faith is linking the known to the unknown and believing enough to act despite the doubts and the questions. So it means getting in the car and starting the car. It means driving to the coffee shop. It means sitting down. It means actively waiting on the, uh, the other party to arrive when they said that they would arrive. That is all faith in action. Some might call it the substance of things hoped for or the evidence of things not seen. I'm, I'm hoping for what isn't proven. I'm hoping that their picture matches, their picture online matches the reality of who they are. I'm hoping their bio of how they operate and how they think matches who they really are. But I know what they said, now, now let's see if it's connected to what's real. It's unproven. And the substance that spans this unknown space is called faith. It's acting on certainty on the unseen. So saying, I believe enough to get in my car and go. All of this is faith. And we can't please God, we can't know God, we can't progress in our relationship with God without faith. In fact, Hebrews eleven six says it's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, that's number one, and two, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So we please God when we link what we know to the specific but incomprehensible God. We say, I, I, I know you, who you are, I believe who you are, although I cannot understand you entirely. We all, have des we all desire to have faith placed in us. We all want it. We all enjoy it when somebody says, I believe you can do this. Even if we ourselves question whether or not we can or cannot do it. We love it when somebody says, no, I believe you got this. And we know that they mean it. And you and I were created in, in the image of God. So if you like that, God likes that. He likes it whenever his children say, I know God. And man, it's awesome knowing him. 
It's worth knowing him. The benefits of knowing him are awesome. I like it as a father. I like listening to my kids talk to their friends about me. When they were little, they'd be like, one of their friends would say, well, my dad, my dad can lift, you know, a Buick. (laughs) And my kids would say, well, my dad can lift an 18-wheeler. And I'd be like, yes, I can. (laughs) Yes, I can. I'm going to go prove that I can right now. I'm going to prove that I can live up to their expectations of me. I wonder how much our father enjoys hearing his children talk about him with those around him. And I wonder how, many, how, how much he would like to live up to the expectation that we have on him. Did my kids ever see me lift an 18-wheeler? Nope. And nor are they likely to. <laughs> but I'm not God. What kind of an expectation do you have of the God that you serve, the Father that you have in heaven? Hmm. So we please him first by believing that he is, and second by recognizing the benefits of being in relationship with him. So Jesus is a wonder, and he loves being known for who and what he is. But we struggle with it because everything around us is familiar. And so if, if, he's, if it's there, if wonder's available and wonder is desired, what are the challenges that we have to overcome to get there and to intentionally pursue wonder in our life? And I've got three challenges, and we're calling them challenges and not enemies. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about enemies of wonder. These are challenges because every one of them is within our control. We can do something about it if we want to. And challenge number one is the time challenge. The time challenge. Pastor Andy last week mentioned how John Ortberg wrote about asking Dallas Willard, what's the one thing I need to do to be more effective? And Dallas Willard answered him by saying, eliminate the hurry from your life. That's easier said than done. Eliminate the hurry from your life because hurried people will not grow deeper in their relationship with God. Wonder takes time. And time is the one thing that hurried people do not have. Mr. Uh, Pastor Johnson Asari, who uh, pastors in, and leads and is a businessman in Ghana, Africa, who I have the privilege of being in a relationship with, he, he says often that Americans have watches, Africans have time. And if you'll take time, you'll learn more about whatever your interest is time. You might be saying right now, well, time, that's my biggest enemy. Matter of fact, if you would wrap up this service real fast, I got things to do. (laughs) Taking too much time. So I don't have time to go pursue wonder intentionally in my life. And so my my encouragement to you today is to reprioritize your life. And you might say, well, wait a minute, don't you mean prioritize? No, no, your life is prioritized. And you are seeing success in your life in exactly the places that you have prioritized in your life. And so you might be saying, well, wait a minute, I don't like, I don't like everything that I'm seeing in my life. In fact, I'm doing really well at work, but my relationships are falling apart. Well, I can tell you it's because you're prioritizing life over relationships, or job over relationships. 
You might say, well, I, I've noticed that my relationship with, with people on this earth are, is good, but my relationship with Christ seems a little nebulous. Well, I can tell you it's because you're, you're prioritizing earthly relationships over heavenly relationships. Whatever you're prioritizing, that's what is, you're seeing success in. Because your prioritized areas receive the time and the resource needed for success. So reprioritize. Paul said this, I focus on this one thing. He said, I've prioritized my life such that there's one thing that I'm pursuing in life. So how do you do it? You focus on what matters, what's going to have lasting value. If you're wondering what your focus is right now, look at your checkbook and look at your calendar. Checkbook and calendar will tell you what you value in your life. Because that's what your time and your resource is going to. If you're wondering if it's the right things, ask these questions. Do they introduce Christ into my world in a greater way? Do they uh, result in positive character and lasting integrity in my life? Those are three great questions to figure out if you're prioritizing the right things or not. Then you have to reduce the non-essentials. Because time doesn't just appear. You have to, it doesn't just create itself. So you have to move some things out so you can move other things in. Reduce the non-essentials. Adjust your schedule. It's hard to adjust your schedule, but you can do it. I pray for you that your cell phone does not work on Christmas. Except for family. I pray that every other call just fails. And that email breaks entirely. Actually, I'm praying that for myself. But I'll include you in that prayer if you'd like. How about reallocate resources? Align your resources with your stated values. Man came to me one time. He said, I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage. We've been married for a long time. She's a good lady. I really love her. But there's a lady at work that I find very attractive. She finds me attractive. And so I'm really struggling uh, in that. And, and my, my attraction to this other woman is causing problems in my marriage at home. That makes sense. He said, I just don't know what to do. I said, quit your job. He said, what? Quit my job? I can't quit my job. I said, no, I'm not telling you don't ever work again. I'm saying find another job where that lady's not there. And she, he says, well, I mean, that's just, oh, wait a minute. You wanted, you wanted everything outside of you to change without you reallocating any resource within your life. That's not how it works. So if your stated value is to have a strong marriage, get this other woman out of your life at whatever the cost may be. Pastor Micah, that is good preaching right there. <laughs> Excellent preaching. Challenge number two, the intellectual challenge. Be open to what you can't understand. Ephesians chapter three says, and to know the love of Christ. I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This, the word surpasses there, it means that it's thrown beyond. So you have knowledge standing here, the love of Christ is coming here, and the love of Christ gets passed way beyond my ability to understand that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more, the words far more, it means over and beyond, 
abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. So Paul is actually saying, I want you to experience and know something that you cannot completely understand. I want you, you're going to seek God and not be able to fully understand God. You're going to be able, you, he wants you to seek him diligently and he says you'll even find him but you will not be able to understand him completely. And every time you find him, more of him will open up and he'll blow your mind again. So the logic says, well, why would I seek something that I cannot comprehend? Why would I seek something that I cannot fully understand? And I would say that the only way, the only area that we use that in this world is within the context of God, because we all live within areas that we don't understand, and we all seek what we don't understand consistently. For instance, sometime in the next few days, you are going to do something that is really, really dumb. You're going to do something dumb, and somebody's going to look at you and say, why did you do that? And you're going to say, I don't know. And you should have the greatest knowledge of why you did what you did. You should have a knowledge of that more than anybody. And yet you'll sit there and look at yourself and go, why, why did I do that? And then we fall in love. And we marry someone. And for the next, however long we're married to them, we spend that trying to figure them out. I have just come to the conclusion that I will never fully understand. Christy does things that I just sit there in awe. <laughs> yeah, it's awe. I'm like, what, what? I'm going to help you right now. If you don't know, if you ever get at a, a, you're at a, ever at a loss for words, just look at them and say, you're a wonder. <laughs> but then I can tell you that they, there's nothing greater than sitting down every morning. We have coffee together and I, she sits on the couch and I sit on, in, in a chair and the window's open and, and I don't it's just the way that the house is situated, but the sun always comes in and shines on the couch, which shining on her. And I sit there, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm getting emotional about this, but I do feel this very deeply. I look at her and I, and I think, how amazing that while I do not understand everything about her, I have the privilege of living life with her. And I love it whenever she says something and I think, I, I never, we've been married 22 years. I didn't know that about her. I'm still discovering stuff about her. She's a wonder in my life. And we don't stop. We don't, I don't say, Christy, I can't fully understand you, so please go away. <laughs> Sometimes we'll be drinking coffee and she'll be telling me something and I'll be sitting there and she'll say, you're not responding to me, are you, you, you understand? And, I, and I'm thinking in my head, thinking in my head, because I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I don't get it. But what I say to her is, baby, I'm just pondering the depth of what you are sharing with me right now. 
We don't understand ourselves. We don't always understand those around us completely. So don't close yourself off to things beyond your understanding. Find wonder in them. Wonder can increase with understanding, but it rarely begins with it. Can increase with understanding, but rarely begins with it. And that brings us to challenge number three, the emotional challenge. Allow your emotions to be touched. Engage your emotions. Wonder engages your emotions. Now, we do not all emote the same. Some people laugh when others might cry. Others cry when, other, when some might stand just in awe. We don't all emote the same. And you might be saying, well, I'm just not an emotional person, so that's why I, you know, you, you, nobody would know. And the fact is, that's not true. You are an emotional person. You just haven't allowed something or maybe anything for a long time to go deep enough to where that connection is made. And I'll give you an example. If you go to somebody's wedding that's a friend, you might say, wow, this is great. Great job, y'all. Enjoyed the wedding, good wedding, and you're out. But you go to the wedding of your son or your daughter, and there's a whole different emotional experience involved because it's touching you in a deeper place than that of your friend. Or maybe you lost somebody this year, and when you think of them, tears come to your eyes or you feel moments of sadness. But the reality is people died in Toledo this morning. People that you might not know. We just recently heard about over in New Zealand, people that 30-something people died in a plane, a helicopter crash whenever the the, uh, volcano exploded. And I wonder how many of us just changed the channel on that or flipped the page. Oh. But when it touches you deeply enough, it engages your emotions. Or maybe you've been let go from a job at some point and whenever you were let go from the job that you hated, you were like, yes, I've got a reason to move on. But when you let go of the job that you think is your lifelong career, it's a whole different feeling. You feel hurt, you feel broken, you feel devastated. It, it hits emotionally. When some things will, will make you laugh and they'll, they'll touch you deeply and some things will make you cheer because you've allowed them to go deep enough. And my, my thought today is this, if your relationship with God does not affect you emotionally, then you may have a knowledge of God while needing to deepen a relationship with God. Well, what do you want, Pastor? Do you want me to cry? Not if that's not how God made you, no. Oh, you want me to jump up and down and run around? Won't bother me, might freak some people out, but won't bother me. If that's you, it's fine. Oh, you want me to, no, see, we're missing the point. I don't want you to do anything specific. I want you to open up your heart enough to let the wonder touch you in a very deep and personal place. A place where your emotions are stirred. A place where you you look, you get beyond what you can control. Years ago, I was not emotionally expressive like I am today. I would be very tight. I would be very controlled because I didn't want you to judge me badly. 
And I didn't want anybody to look at me and say, well, look, yeah, he just, he's just an emotional person because people that are, quote, emotional, end quote, they, they have a rap of not uh, being thoughtful or, or deep or, or what have you. And that's a bunch of bunk because every deep and thoughtful person is also emotional. So one day I, 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 I decided that I was just going to be me. And if, if in the presence of the Lord, me would cry, then I'm gonna cry. If in the presence of the Lord, me would shout, then I'm gonna shout. If me in the presence of the Lord would kneel, I'm gonna kneel. Whatever that meant for me, that's what I was gonna do. And you just, you have the uh, privilege-ish of witnessing that. But the emotion isn't about what's here. The emotion is about what's here. I pray that some of you, whenever, when you watch your grandkids or great grandkids or, or your niece or your nephew, I, I pray that whenever you, they open up that gift that's under the tree for them and you see their eyes light up, I, I pray it strikes something deep within you that you haven't felt for a long time. I pray that in some moment of the Christmas Eve service, you, you feel something stir in you that maybe hasn't stirred in a long time. It's the emotional challenge. And you can shut it off if you want to. And I'm not even going to stand in judgment of that. Because this isn't about me. This is about you experiencing wonder in your life and everything you truly care about. Everything which brings wonder will touch your emotions somehow. And those emotions will be expressed from you. Building wonder intentionally is not easy. We've got three challenges before you. And you might say, well, I've looked at all three and I'm not good at any of them. And I would encourage you today by saying you are not good at anything you don't do often enough. You're not good at anything you don't do often enough. That tells me that you need to say no to more things than you say yes to. It, it means that you need to open up your emotions to things that you are currently closed off to. It, it means that, that you need to open your mind to ideas that you've never thought of before. And I will tell you, if you accept the challenge, it will inspire you to greater things in life and in Christ. But ultimately, it's your choice. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me right now and just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this service? What are you saying, Lord? Father, I pray right now that your people would be stirred, that they would take up the challenge and that they would walk in it. I pray that your anointing would be upon each and every one right now, that you would stir our hearts to see you, to experience you in a greater and greater way. I thank you for it. I praise you for it in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen.